Open your Bible with me and with us to Psalm 24. We, we're going to have it up on the PowerPoint. Um, but again, we always say this. It's good to know your own way around in the Bible. If you need a Bible, if you didn't bring one with you, you'd like to follow along. You just, just raise, raise your, your hand. hand. Yeah. The usher will hand you one. We're going to look at Psalm 24. There's Bible tabs in there so yeah, you can find you it really quick. Pick up on it. Psalm 24, verse 3. Wait, I'm not there Everybody there? Not quite. All right. All right. Psalm 24, verse 3, it says this. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Verse 4, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. So let's just take a moment to pray before we begin and open up the word of God. Father, uh, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just think about um, how wonderful it is that we have a, a place, a church to come to this morning in peace. That there aren't sirens going off and bombs exploding like it is over in Ukraine. Thank you, Lord. And God, the war in that country, I think, has just been on everybody's mind and heart all the suffering, the human casualties that come from war. You just see, Lord, the pictures of children, families just ripped from their homes and becoming refugees and cities and neighborhoods bombed, people crying to see their homes just go up in flames and destroyed. And, Father, we just think about the worldwide implications that this all has on us. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, that your spirit, the Holy Spirit, would be known yeah. to these people. Give them hope, Lord. I pray that in the midst of their suffering, that their eyes are turned to you. And Lord, you can do good even in suffering. Yes. You, can, you can bring beauty from ashes, your word says. And so, Father, we pray that. I pray that the people's eyes, no matter what it is, the children, adults, the elderly, that their eyes are turned to you. Speak to them, Holy Spirit. Let your word and the gospel go forth. Yes. That people would still be, know, and be saved. And you, that you could bring beauty, Lord, from mm. these things. Some way, somehow, Lord, you're the God of the impossible. And so we thank you, Father. We thank you for this place today that we're in. We, we give our heart over to you. We yes. open up our, our ears to hear you, Holy Spirit. I pray that as we begin to speak that, that we decrease, Lord, and that your voice increases through the things that we say, Lord, and may we all be touched and changed yes. for the sake of loving you, serving you, and obeying you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, you know, much of what we see happening around the world, the invasion, the Russia invading Ukraine, um, and the other things that we see happening around the world is all very much a sign of the times that Jesus told us that we should be aware of. The Bible speaks specifically about things that will happen in one generation mm -hmm. that will indicate a coming back. And we just want to take a, a moment at the beginning of this message and tie together a few things that we see mm -hmm. so that we're all reminded um, to be walking now with our eyes spiritually open. Um, we do believe that we're in the last days, last what the, the Bible last. calls the last days. And so, again, we certainly need to be spiritually awake. We need to be engaged. Our heart needs to be engaged. Um, 
because the Bible tells us, you know, that we, we need to be people that get our lamps filled <laughs> with oil so that we're ready for the bridegroom when he comes back. Jesus is called the bridegroom. Yes. Okay. We want to be ready to meet him because he's coming for his church is what the Bible says. The church talks about a rapture of the church. And there are signs that he says that we should be looking for and aware of. And as we see them in one generation happening, and people have argued about how long a generation is. Is it 40 years, 60 years, 100 years? But as we see these things happening in one generation, it'll be like a woman in labor. They'll they'll be coming like labor pains that come upon a woman. Anybody who's given birth or you've been a part of, you know, watching your wife give birth. Mm -hmm. We know the labor pains go, as, as the labor progresses, the pains get closer together and they get more intense. So they're closer together and more intense. And this is what we see happening. Yeah. It just seems like every day you're looking in the news and going, what? How could this be? And some of the things that it talks, Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, at the end of the age, are you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Mm-hmm. Well, nation will rise against nation. Of course, you just take a look at Ukraine. And I think we've not seen a war on European soil since World War II, like anything of this scale. Right. And it speaks of pestilences that'll come, plagues. Well, we've just been through two years of COVID. I would call that a, a, a worldwide type of plague, wouldn't you, or pestilence? The Bible speaks of pro, uh, apostasy that'll happen at the end of the age, in yeah. the last days. The pos, apostasy means a falling away or a drifting away from faith in God. And we do hear, you may not hear it, we're pastors, we pay attention to these things, but we hear and we see it happening with greater frequency. I think to myself, another person publicly, they even coined a word for it. It's called destructing your faith. The destruction, yeah. I'm sorry, it's deconstructing of your faith. Mm -hmm. A person will come out and say, I'm deconstructing. And I used to think, what does that mean? You're falling apart, basically. (laughs) But deconstructing means you're either losing your faith altogether. Mm -hmm. Some people have turned atheism. Maybe it's agnosticism. Or it's just maybe you become spiritual, but you're not religious anymore. It's like they've coined the word, the spiritual nuns, N-O-N-E-S, for the current young generation. It's like, well, I'm spiritual. I think there are some things that are true about God, but I don't really know what I believe. Mm -hmm. And so there's basically no belief in the God that we're worshiping here this morning. Correct. Correct. Um, You know, the Bible warns the last seven years of this age that we're in, uh, there's going to be a global leader who comes on the scene, and he'll be very charismatic. He, uh, the Bible actually says that he is skilled in intrigue. That means deception. Uh, so he's very skilled in that, and he will compel millions of people to follow him. There, he'll come with answers. And, and it will be, he'll bring peace to this, this earth in such chaos that he's able to bring a peace, but it's a false peace. And what he's going to be dominating economically, militarily, religiously, even in religion, because there's going to be a time where he is going to cause men and women to follow him because of his great articulation and his charismatic uh, uh, personality. 
And it says that he will actually see if he, this deception is so real. That's why we have to know Jesus. Because the false Jesus is going to be so close to him. It'll look like it. It'll look like this guy's going to actually end up coming to the temple that will be rebuilt in Israel and say that he's God. But there's going to be millions and millions and millions of people following him. There's going to be false prophets doing miracles, signs and wonders. The Bible says there'll be false miracles, but they will be miracles. And people will just go hook, line, and sinker right into, oh, this must be God because there's a miracle happening. <sighs> this, is, this is why we need to know this word. Uh, we need to know it so that we, this, this guy doesn't come and fake us out by quoting a partial scripture and then load you up with poison. <laughs> he is a false prophet. He's a false Christ. You know, there's, there's going to be a great outcome at the end because he and the false prophet and then eventually the devil will be thrown in the lake of fire. And those of us that are in heaven, the Bible declares that we will be able to see the smoke of their torment coming up forever and ever and ever. And everybody who follows them, who deconstructs their faith, so to speak, will go into lake of fire with them. You know, the, the, the danger of deception is, be, is that you don't know you're being deceived. Yeah. You know what I'm saying here? Mm -hmm. If you, you believe a lie and you're, you're, you're stuck on it, you're going to believe that lie. Yeah. But when, the, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. This is why we have to be people of the word. We have to, be, we have to know what this book says. Yeah. Because that's our only, that's our rescue. Yeah. It really is. So that we're not pulled to the left, not pulled to the right. We continue to walk on that narrow road following the word of God. There's going to come a time where he's going to say, okay, nobody, you have to get a mark or you're not going to buy or sell. What'd they just do to Russia? Can't buy or sell. These are all precursors of what's going on. The people, the Christians that remain, because after the rapture, there's going to be a lot of people understanding that was true all along, and they're going to accept Christ. The people who don't accept that mark, because the Bible declares if you take that mark, your, your book is erased, your name is erased from the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. There's going to be Christians still left, and they're going to be hunted down, murdered, and tortured and put in prisons. You can read about that in Revelations 13. Is, is he, this leader is called the Antichrist, and I believe truly what we've seen in government overreach here. Mandated masks. Uh, you get the vaccine or you lose your job. Come on now. Yeah. Businesses closing down. Churches closing down. People losing their, their livelihood because their small business has been closed down. This is all the spirit of the Antichrist. Yeah. I'm not saying, and Putin is not the Antichrist. We'll get it there right now. But he's part of the whole plan yeah. to bring chaos to the earth so the Antichrist can manifest. Yeah. We take a look at 
the, the spirit of Antichrist wants to dominate. You know, he wants worship. So he's going to force people to worship him. Yeah. Putin is telling elementary school kids that they're on a mission to, to uh, help the people over there. And they're just trying to be peacekeepers. He's flooded that whole place with lies. Yeah, he just signed a bill. Well, I mean, if you read the news, you know this, the censoring media. Yes. Anything, he forced independent news media or independent journalists or foreign journalists, anybody who might put out anything that was considered from the government, the Kremlin, dissenting information, which said that, the, that don't call it a war if you called it a war. And this was up to 15,000. 15 years 15 in prison. years in prison, rather, yeah, and fined. If you were caught disseminating information that's, that called it a war, because he said all we're doing is protecting our territory from the nationalists in Ukraine that are acting, called them Nazis. That are acting like Nazis, they want to take over us. It's a complete set of propaganda lies that are getting taken, that are getting said. And many Russians, I mean, I've watched a few things here and there on the news when you scout around and people that, a journalist that was still able to walk down the street and ask people, just the common Russian person, what do you think about all this? They, the, the people that he interviewed all were for Putin. They were like, well, he wouldn't be lying to us. If he says that we need to be in there to protect our territory, our nation, then we need to do it. And I thought, uh. So hey, this, these lies, this is, we think to ourselves, oh, this is just terrible, you know, to censor people like this, to censor the media, but then stop and think about what's been happening in our country. <laughs> I mean, we have our own version of media censorship. Yep. It's been happening. The big media outlets are shutting down free speech. Just look at the news. It started with... Trump, I think that was the first eye-opener, like, what, you took the president of the United States off of Twitter? But then when COVID happened, we had Twitter accounts come down, you had Instagram things come down, you had Facebook, YouTube channels just all of a sudden instantly removed. Yep. Why? Because it didn't fit our community narrative standards, and it didn't fit what the government CDC was saying. You couldn't have an alternative thought. There you go. Doctors who were, you know, very qualified wanted to give medicines and things, but it was not allowed. Some of these things were just taken. They were removed yeah. from pharmacies. So Lose their license? Have them, yeah. yeah. So the seed, if, the, if the government said this and it, and it didn't fit the narrative, then you're canceled. You're out. Have we not seen this? Yes, we it's, have. It's here right now. I mean, Facebook intercepted GoFundMe money for the truckers' protest in Canada. They just intercepted the money because they felt like that protest was violent. And then they declared martial law. Canada. In Canada. So we have to look at these things and go, no, wait. Sometimes you just live your day-to-day -day life and you mm -hmm. get up and you go to work and you do all the things that normal people do every day. You're living right in it. And so sometimes it's hard to discern, is this really happening? Yeah. Gotta <laughs> because have the times, open. you know, they, like, who was it? They are a changing. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, yeah. That's, That's our, our era. era. <laughs> <laughs> but the current... Two hippies. <laughs> the, the, this current aggression that you see of a nation, Russia, is a reminder of things that we see, like, let's say, in Ezekiel 38. Yeah. The prophecy that speaks about the nation from the north 
Magog that will come and invade Israel when they feel like the land is at peace. And I'm not saying that this is happening now, that this is some fulfillment it's of it. It's a precursor. But it is, as we see it happening, with, with seemingly, it seems sudden, doesn't it? And ruthless. Yeah. I think, how could you look at these children with backpacks on, and they, they're carrying their stuffed animals. They're living just like we live. And one day, they're loving, they're making their dinners in their homes. And I, in fact, I heard a school teacher who gave testimony. She said, I told my students, and this was the day before the bombing started, she said I, they were concerned because people were hearing about what if this happens. And she said, I told my students, war will never happen. Mm. We've, we've lived with this, you know, at the border for a long time. Russia would never do that. You don't need to worry. Go home, it'll never happen. So she said, I went home that night, ate dinner, went to bed, and by the morning's light, she said, I heard explosions outside the outskirts of my city. And she said, I thought, this can't be happening. Mm. Like, no, like this, what is happening? And I think that was about a, two weeks ago. Yeah. And you look at the destruction and the chaos and the casualties from it. And I think it's all a small foretaste of what Scripture says is going to come in much yeah. greater force with the Antichrist. Yes. That we, when now everything is peace, peace. Yeah. Yeah. Then sudden, sudden destruction, it come says on. come. And it's going to happen when the fullness of the Antichrist spirit, which has come, it's a satanic power. Yes. Is going to fill a person, come in human form. The Antichrist will be a human being. And he will be you know, filled with the spirit of Antichrist. Right. He and the false prophet yep. will come on the, the world scene. And so when you think about these things, you have to ask yourself, how then shall we live? How, what should we be doing now? Well, Today. right now, we've got to be serious about our, our living right before God. Yeah. We have to grow in our faith. We have to grow in our trust with the Word. And in this Word, we're going to understand the coming judgments. If you don't understand God, He is a just God. You know judgment is coming. And if you've only heard love, love, love... All you need is love. That's our era, too. <laughs> if you think that that's it, and God's love, our deception of our, our definition of love has joined the secular world by saying, everybody, it's okay, I accept everybody. Guess what? God doesn't, that's not God's love. And so judgment is coming. If we don't understand this, we're going to be like so many deconstructing their faith by saying, well, my God wouldn't do this. Or I can't believe this is happening and not know what to do, yeah. not know what to believe. That's why you need this word. Yeah. We have to be people of the word. Yes. We have to be people of prayer. Yes. Jesus said in the end times, Matthew 24, he says, be careful you're not deceived and led into error. Yeah. He says, watch that your house, your temple, this is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you're born again, the spirit of the living God is in you. You have fire from the altar. Glory to God. He says, be careful. Watch that your house, your temple isn't broken into by the thief. Matthew 24, 44 says, I'm coming at a time that you don't know. You won't expect a time it. you're not going to expect it. You see, this is why we have to be 
ready. I mean ready. Because he's coming at a time we don't expect it. Yeah. Matthew, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about ten virgins. That represents the church. You have your spiritual ears on right now. The Spirit of the Holy Ghost is here right now. He's teaching you. He happens to be using Pastor Mamie and I right now, but he is teaching you. In Matthew 25, he's talking about the ten virgins, which is the church, who were waiting for the bridegroom. That's Jesus. And the bridegroom was delayed. And what happened is that there were only five prepared. And the other five that were not prepared said, give us some of your oil. Do you know you can't give somebody your relationship with God? That's right. They have to have their own. Look at verse 36 here. Verse 36. It says, keep awake then. This is Jesus talking. He's letting us know, here's how you get prepared. Keep awake then and watch at sometimes. Come on, that's right. Praying, listen to this carefully. Praying that you would be counted worthy to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man at His coming. Our concern is pastors, and we talk about this, and we pray about this, is that you be ready. You have your lamps lit, and they're full of oil. That's why we say, get in the Word. That's why we say, turn to this. That's why we stop putting all the scriptures up on PowerPoint, because we want you to know. But you you have to take heed to what Jesus has said. And not just for yourselves. Do you understand? This is for your family members. This is for your friends. This is for your co-workers. You've got to have your light shining so they see a difference in you. See, now's the time that you really rely and trust on the Holy Spirit to share your faith. Mm -hmm. He's the one that will speak through you. You just yield your heart to him. See, this is all spiritual. If you think you're just going to, okay, I'm going to align. The next thing I'm going to say, wait, I lost my notes. Let me come back to you tomorrow. (laughs) This is when you trust the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to be able to stir the most holy emotions in the other person. And that person, if they're not saved, will be convicted. See, Jesus already says he, he has witnessed to every person that's alive. John chapter 1. People are looking for hope, aren't they? Yes, they are. And we can't be the people that pretend it's not happening. Yeah. We have to understand we're at the end. Yeah, yeah. People are looking for hope. Yes, they are. And you yeah. and I have eternal hope within us. Yes. All we have to do is just ask the Holy Spirit, help me to share this. Yeah. Invite somebody to church. Yeah. Invite them to come. Just check it out. Just 
Yeah, invite him to church here. We have fun in this place. (laughs) So when Jesus, on that scripture, you know, he said to watch and pray, he was speaking to the Jews of the day. Right. Okay. So, you know, we have to remember that because he's talking about birth pains that are coming. And so he's saying watch and pray. And a Jew would understand the word prayer to mean, uh, yeah, a dialogue with God, just like we understand when we're praying, we're simply talking to God. But to the Jew, prayer had something more to do with not not asking God for something. But it it began with like a self-evaluation. The Hebrew word for prayer actually means to self-evaluate. That's one of the words. I couldn't pronounce it in Hebrew, so I just put it up there that way. (laughs) It's that. But in other words, you begin to approach God, you know, not just, God, I need this, God, I need that. Right. Asking what you need, but you approach God pausing because you realize you're coming into the presence of God in light of who he is, like his, and he's holy. He's holy. He is holy. Yeah. So we're, our approach to God as we begin to have prayer has this sense of humility and truth to it. Like, yes. I want, I'm coming before you honestly, Lord, in the light of your presence. So we looked at that scripture at the beginning, Psalm 24. Yes. I could read it because we're going to look at Psalm 24 and 139. So uh, this, I think we have Psalm 24 again up on the screen. Find it real quick, you guys. You want People in Community Life Church are sharp. They know their place in the Bibles. <laughs> the book of Psalms is like a book of prayers. We yes. can use the book of Psalms as a way to learn to pray to God. Mm-hmm. And, and so this prayer, the Psalm 24, is I, I think an example of it. You're just taking an honest look at yourself in light of a God who's Eyes can see everything. That's right. And the, the wonderful thing about it is he sees everything, but then we think about what he's, what he's done for us through Jesus. Hallelujah. And we realize we don't come into the light of God in a sense of condemnation. But we could come, but we may feel convicted. There you go. Because conviction means I need to change something about my life. And actually, that's good. Because Amen. he's changing us into more and more into the image of God. But Psalm yes. 24 says... This, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? So we're asking ourselves that. Who may stand in his holy place? Again, holy place, our temple. The one who has what? Clean Clean hands hands and a pure heart. It goes on to say, and has not lifted up their soul to vanity or to idols and sworn deceitfully. Yes. And so turn now, flip over to Psalm 139. This is awesome. This psalm is almost entirely... A psalm that is expressing ourself, knowing that we're coming into the all-seeing eye of God, really. And, and in his inescapable presence. Yes. You can't escape him. Because the beginning, verse 1 of that psalm, says, Oh Lord, you've searched me and know me. So when you're coming into the presence of God, this is first, before we see those scriptures, we're going to look at verse 1. As we have 23 up there, but just take a look at verse 1 first. It's not up on the screen. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. And take a look at verse 7. Mm. It says, where can I hide from your spirit or flee from your presence? Like, where is there that we could ever go in this universe that God <laughs> is not aware? There's nowhere. 
If I go to heaven, you're there, he says. If I go down to the depths, you're you're there, there. verse 8. And then it ends with those verses 23 and 24. We can put those back up. Thank you. Yeah, up on the screen. Really important. Look at how it ends with a prayer. Uh Search me, O God, and know my heart. And Mm -hmm. go ahead and try me and know my ways. Yes. And see, Lord, if there's any rebellious way in me. Come on. And then lead me, Lord, in the way of everlasting. How many of you know that when you pray a prayer like that, it's good. <laughs> He'll it answer. It is good. Because sin brings destruction That's in our lives. There you go. Come on. Sin will eventually pay a wage. Of. I mean, it's the wages of sin, but the Bible says is death. death. But there's a lot of forms of death in our relationships and destruction and in our health and yeah. all, all the kind of wages that the uh, sin pays. And so we want conviction. If there's sin in our life, yes. we should say, God, search me. Because sometimes we're blind to it. Are we not? Yes, we are. This is why it's good to come into the presence of God, hear the word preached. And if you feel like, ow, you're stepping on my toes a little bit. It's a good thing. That's okay. We all get our toes stepped on. This is part of our walk with God. The narrow path, that's for sure. To allow ourselves to see things that we haven't confessed to God and and to confess them. And be clean then. Yes, so hallelujah. This is, but you know what? This, this is, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say. This has been, uh, it's become foreign to the Western church, hasn't it? Yes, it has. You know, we've, been, we've learned, we've been taught that uh, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You, you are the, if you're born again, the Bible declares you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible declares there is now therefore no condemnation. It's not conviction. There is conviction, like Pastor Mamie was saying. But we've learned all that. Come boldly to the throne of God. You know, We're all for that. Absolutely. But what's been lost in the Western church is the fear of God. We think he's our buddy. We, we think that, uh, oh, he, he, we'll sin and we'll give this excuse. Well, God knows. And he does know. He knows if you continue that path, you'll die. That's why that conviction comes. You might have heard the altar grace message. You know, it tells people your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. You have no need to ask God to forgive you. If you sin, all you have to do is declare, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's a false gospel. Yeah. It's a false gospel. And what's scary about it is there's a curse that comes with it if you want to read Galatians chapter 1. It, it's, it's crazy. You know, you don't have to change your lifestyle. You just need to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. That's a false gospel, folks. It's a false gospel. Just like I said earlier, little taste of real, the word of God, for sure. But then slide in something that is uh, unscriptural <laughs> you know that just completely dismisses you reflecting on your life and the standard that God has for us yeah. he says that he's going to bring a, a stick and, and measure the and bring trouble on those who are slothful in spirit that's not good you know we're again as pastors we get 
all sorts of stuff. And we're stunned, completely stunned at the statistics that come. Let me read this to you. It, it's, it's crazy. We're stunned that the current statistics that reveal, listen to this, 70% of Christian men regularly view pornography, including those in the church. It's, it's completely out of control. Completely out of control. And it gets quiet in here because I, if it's 70%, there's men in here that are looking at pornography. There's women in here that are looking at pornography. Listen, that's a sin. And if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, listen carefully. The power of sin has no connection with you. But if you buddy up to it, that is going to open the door. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24? Make sure your house isn't broken into. Yeah. See, this is spiritual realities. Yeah. This is spiritual realities. We, need, we honestly need to get on our face before God and say, Search my heart, O oh God. Yeah. And then we need to confess the sin yeah. and repent. Okay, you know what repent means? Turn around and go the other way with God. And he will empower you to walk away from that. It's, you cannot live in habitual sin. Intentional habitual sin. Well, and Listen, you call yourself a Christian. And, you and know, God is calling us to have a sanctified life. That means set apart. Yeah. Set apart for him. Yeah. And Pastor Mamie said it, that he's... he's conforming us to the image of Christ. Uh, and I want that because it's truth, it's light, it's integrity, it's faithfulness. We're supposed to have a sanctified life. You know, listen, as long as we live on this planet, we are going to be tempted by sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted in every way. Yet without sin. That's why he was a perfect sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And here's the key. The Bible declares in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins yeah. and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. That's the power of the blood. But these, these statistics are staggering. And we're not like that. You know, I love the Hebrews' approach. They approached God in the outer court. Last week we had those, those, that picture of it. And we come in here. They come in, but this is a type and shadow of how we come to the cross of Christ. It is the outer court. The outer court. The first thing you come in, and there's the altar for sacrifice. That means you bring the best lamb or animal, bull, that you have in your herd, if you bring them, then you're putting that on the sacrifice altar. This, oh, I thought you meant the sin, yeah, on the then, then what you do, this is how they did it. They would put their hand on that lamb. And that was a transfer of their sin into that animal. It's a type and shadow. Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God. 
But the person who does this, they see this animal, they feel this animal dying. If you're a hunter, you, you know that last moments of an animal, for sure. They feel it. That You know what? They, they know this should have been me. Because wages of sin is death. But then after that sacrifice, they go to the labor, and it's water. And so you wash clean. You, you, they feel a, a sense of the death. They know they have a consciousness of their sin that I've done wrong. I need to get clean before God. And they have a sense of relief after all that happened. The, the sin just, the penalty for sin is off of you. Yeah. And spiritually, you can feel it. Then they can go into the Then they go into holy the holy place. place. The priest. Yeah. It's a type and shadow for us. Yeah. Jesus Christ willingly went to the cross. Yeah. And he took your sin. He took your place. He took my place. I deserve to be on that cross. And he's such a holy God. Things that we wink at, he says that's a death penalty. Yeah. He's perfectly holy. Yeah. And we had no sacrifice that could measure up. Yeah. It was the Son of God who had to come in human form. He was always God. He is all man. And he willingly went to the cross to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin. He, he shed his blood for the sin of the world. If people just would accept that, the whole world could be saved. Accept this sacrifice. If not, see, the Antichrist is coming, and he's going to be a smooth talker. And he's going to have prophets that are going to point people to him. If we don't know the true will fall for the false. So what, what does it mean, you just said it, to accept that sacrifice? Yeah, come on now. To believe in the gospel. Because believing in the gospel doesn't mean, well, I just believe those words, they're written. There's, some, there's something that happens inside of a heart that accepts the sacrifice, and that is the word repentance. Mm -hmm. You know, the miracle of salvation the Holy Spirit coming and recreating you on the inside happens when you do some self-evaluation. As you hear the message of the cross, you hear about sin today as we're talking about it, what Jesus did for us. The power of the gospel to change a life, it yeah. comes through repentance in the heart. And it's not just a matter of, well, he loves me. Come on now. I accept that love. I must accept what the sacrifice meant. That I deserve to die in judgment for my sin. And I think this is the message that's sometimes hard for people, for Westerners to hear. Because yeah. we are used to hearing a message of love. God loves you. He's for you. And he is love and he is for you. And this is displaying his love. But, but you have to have a revelation. When you look at the cross, what's the whole point? What did he do? Why? He died for your sin. Mm -hmm. It should have been you or me dying. A death that would have resulted in eternal separation from God. 
Yes. And so when we repent, when we come to the cross and we receive forgiveness, repentance means I see, oh, Lord, like I have been living my life so wrong. I need forgiveness, and I'm accepting it. But I'm going to turn, yep. I'm going to say, I, mean, I don't want to turn my back to you, but I'm going to turn and go a different direction with God. Repentance results in a different direction yeah. in your life. Uh, and sometimes we don't even know all that that means, right. but we want it. It's like, I don't want that anymore. I want you. Yeah, come on. And I don't now. even know what it's going to cost me, but I want you. I, I want to obey and follow. And so repentance actually means a change of mind. You probably, some of you who've been in church have heard that, a change of mind. But it's not a change of mind like, well, I just accept a new idea. I accept this fact that God loves me, oh, yeah. and now he's for me. Come on. Well, that's, <coughs> that's good, but that's not really repentance. Like, people think, well, I said a prayer. I came to church, and I said this prayer, and I got some religion in me, and now I'm good. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not repentance. The, the word repentance in the Greek is metanoia. It meta means, implies like change, and noia has to do with your mind, like your, your perception of yourself. Come on. And it's a change of mind about God and sin is what repentance really means. Yes. It's, and it's a radical change of mind. Uh-huh. Amen? Yeah. I mean, for the people that have been oh, following. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look at Mark 1.14. This is up on your screen. <clears throat> this is Jesus. It says, went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of the gospel of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. What did he say? Repent and believe the good news. Hallelujah. Other places we see Jesus say, I came to call sinners to what? Repentance. Repentance. Remember the woman that Jesus uh, dealt with uh, who was caught in adultery? And after he, she stood up and he said, you know, I don't condemn you. In other words, he knew he was going to forgive her of her sin. But what did he say to her? But go and sin no more. He, later right. he told the man who was healed at the sheep gate. There you go. That's a good The one. same thing. When he met him back after he was healed, and Jesus said to that man, stop sinning or something worse may come upon you. And so, see, some have defined repentance to just mean, well, I've just changed my mind. I've heard people preach. I had a change of mind. Just tell people to have a change of mind about the love of God. Using the scripture because it's the love of God that leads a person to repent. Come on. But if you look at that in context, and it's, there's just such twist balance to this. The yeah. context of how Paul was saying that was to people who were actually worthy of judgment from God. And he was saying, God's been like kind and long suffering with you. (laughs) And it's his kindness when you realize how long he's been putting up with your sin. Yeah, that's it. That makes you go, oh God, you're so good. (laughs) I repent. And so it's good to know these things, but heart repentance uh, moves you, motivates you to live a set apart life. This is how we know, did we really repent? Do I really know him? Am I living a set-apart life? Am I walking to the best that I can? We're not going to be perfect. Amen. But we're going to open up this word and say, I want to learn how to live how to live by faith and, and walk in obedience yes. to you. Yes. Oh, my and gosh. And the Holy Spirit will meet you every little baby step you take. If Hallelujah. You mean, if you genuinely mean that from your heart. Yeah, no, and there's so, many people in the church that think they're saved, but they're really not. 
Because there's been no real repentance in their life. You know, they could come to the altar, they could cry, they could feel bad about what they did. And they kind of, you know, through their tears and they start to feel a little better. That doesn't mean you've repented. That doesn't even mean you're saved. Because in the end, it boils down to the fruit, your life. Remember John the Baptist? He was baptizing people. People would come and confess their sins. And they asked him, well, now what should we do? What should we do? It's not a one-time event. Now I'm in. He says, change your life and bear fruit according to this new life that you have. And you know, people, when they get in America, uh, they go, uh, and I remember the day I was saved. I remember the day I was saved. I, know, I remember where I was. I, uh, I remember when I opened my heart to God's goodness. <laughs> It's true. When you open your life and your heart to God, he'll pour goodness into you. He will do it because just his nature. But really, was there a real turning away from the lifestyle that you were in? This is, that's, that's repentance. That's repentant. See, the Westerners, we Westerners have lost our conscience of sin. And it's partly due to our culture. Now, if you stand up for something, then you're a hater. Understand that? Name-calling all over the place. Well, Just like also, junior high school. Come on. It, it is It also true. has to do with the pulpits in America. Yes. I pulpits, think it has to do pastors, with the pulpits and what people... This, are, the pulpit, you know, the, where we stand here and preach. If people, if we're not... The word sin and repentance... You don't really hear it too much. I believe the days are coming ahead where we're going to hear more and more messages about sin and repentance because God wants his church ready. But Let me, we, let me bump, yeah. you know, this guy that has had a church in Moscow for 30 years, do you know those people over there? They don't say, I remember the day I was saved. They say, they say this, I remember the day I repented. I remember the day I repented. Yeah. Do you know what he said? He says some of those people that come to his church, they travel two and a half hours one way to get to church. Yeah. To get to church. <laughs> you see how he thinks? Yeah. It's because their life has been tough. Yeah. Our life has been abundant. Uh, you know, and I think sometimes if we're not careful, having all this abundance is a curse. Yeah, yeah, because we can be complacent. We can just want always the easy way. And yeah. so when we start talking about sin and changing our lives and, and having, having the word of God read us, we, like, we push away from it. But we bring it up this morning. Look at uh, Acts 17, 30. Yeah, this is good. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul speaking... Uh, in Athens, so the people, when he came through their city and just saw all their religious idols, and he said, anyway, in verse 30, it says, In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. Oh, boy. Yep. But now he commands all people everywhere to what? Repent. Repent. He, he Repent. commands it. It's not a suggestion. And so why? Why are we concerned about 
real repentance and knowing, are we really saved? Why? Because verse 31 says, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man, mm-hmm. that's Jesus, whom he has appointed. And he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Yeah. You see, so we want to be sure, we, we bring this up, we want to be sure that everybody understands what salvation is about. Have you repented? Yeah. Am I doing my best to walk in obedience to the truth? Yes, come on now. You know, and even when we struggle with sin, you mentioned pornography. Well, if you struggle with it, you want to go to God in your struggle. Yes. But a Christian should not, First John says, we don't just habitually live in sin and right. think it's okay. Something's wrong there. Yes. And we need to allow ourselves to have God search our heart and show us how to walk free. A sin Often, conscious is good. Because it, we say this because this wokeness, if Ooh. you will, and acceptance of sin is just, on, from man. the culture, has just moved into the church. We found this statistic. 65% of Americans profess to be Christians. I mean, they just, these are reliable research yep. stats. 65%. 25 years ago, it was like 80-some percent. It's been dropping. Now it's 65%. But, you know, you could ask a person, are you a Christian? And they could go, yeah, and what's it based on? Well, I went to church when I was 10 years old. For, you know, <laughs> and so I'm here in America, and my parents went to church, and I'm a Christian. Right. But when they dug deeper and they asked more questions in that survey, questions about your beliefs, questions about your lifestyle, they found that only 6% of the 65% actually held to a biblical worldview. 6%. And a biblical worldview would be a person who lives by the authoritativeness of the Scripture. Like they know what Scripture says, and they're living in obedience the best they can to the authority of Scripture. That's a biblical worldview, as opposed to having a secular worldview. Now, think about this. The 65% that say they're Christians... Many of them said they actually go to, they go to church. Yeah. But they, ha- they hold to, when it came down to it, a secular worldview, which doesn't mean people think, well, the secular world means you're an atheist. No, it does not mean you're an That's atheist. That's right. That's right. You know, it can, can, it can include somebody who says, well, I, yeah, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, and, but they don't <laughs> really come under the obedience to the word of God. Their lifestyle... Uh, basically is based on the authority of self, is what they called it. Like myself, I'm the final authority. There you go. And, you know, the secular worldview is based on feelings. We all know this. This is how I feel. This is my truth. So don't be telling me how to feel, mm. right? Back off. How, how could you tell me how to feel, right? My rights. So don't impose your truth on my truth. And happiness is another one of these secular... That's the ultimate goal. Value. Yeah, the ultimate goal. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And sometimes people think, God wants me to be happy, and so I live this kind of a lifestyle. But there's nothing in the Bible, really, that says that God wants you to be happy. (laughs) 
the, the Declaration of Independence says yes. we can pursue life, liberty, <laughs> and the pursuit of happiness. But yeah. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say that. It talks about joy, but it talks yes. about Paul saying, I was, wa- I was giving the gospel to you so that it work, would work faith and obedience into your life. That's right. And see, these are words that's hard for Westerners to hear. Obedience, sin, repentance, yeah, turn truth, away. one truth. It's like <laughs> there's a lot of secular thought in the church. You know, the third thing is judging is, is again, the ultimate sin is that you're judging me. Who are you to judge me? You've probably heard that if you're walking with Christ. Yeah. Because, you know, you carry the Holy Spirit inside of you. And what is the Holy Spirit's job? Holy Spirit's job is to convict. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't judge me. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says you're supposed to judge those inside the church. Yeah. Everybody well, says, well, Jesus said, yeah, don't judge. Well, yes, he did. But he also gave further instruction. You don't judge those who are outside. You judge those who are inside. Yeah. Fruit. That's what he's looking for. So what are we getting judged by? What's the standard? Well, Jesus tells us right here in John chapter 12, verse 48. He says, the one who rejects me and doesn't accept my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. This is what you're going to be judged by. Yeah. So what we need to do is find out what it is. If we're walking contrary, we need to ask God to forgive us and repent. Ask him for the strength to walk away from this, and he'll do it. Yeah. So we want to take, close out the message today by taking communion. Yeah. So let's, well, if the ushers will help to quickly pass out the communion elements in the, and... Um, Band, come on up. You know, with all these things, in light of everything that we just heard, the question then was, how shall we live? How shall we live? Is there something? How shall we live? And I think it's vital and it's very important. How shall we live? When we get these elements, you know the Bible says, go ahead ahead, and hand them. Begin to pass them out. He's talking about this communion table, first of all, he says the communion table is only for Christians. Just for Christians. If you're not a believer, don't take this. If you want to give your life to Jesus right now, yeah. and raise your hand because then you can join in. Anyone? Praise God. Praise God. Okay. But this is so that we would examine ourselves. Just like Pastor Mamie brought up the idea that the, the Jewish definition of prayer was self-examination. And so when you receive the elements, I'm asking you just to ask the Holy Spirit to help you examine yourself. Now here's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will bring something up that you need to change. He will not load up on you with everything that needs to be changed. (laughs) It's a process. Sanctification is a process. 
as you learn, He empowers you to overcome. Your life will be changed. So once everybody gets the elements, the wafer, these are symbols of the body and blood of Christ. One of the things that Scripture tells us to do in 1 Corinthians 11, actually when we break bread together, we partake of the, the blood, that we should examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says that we would examine ourselves for our own shortcomings, that we would not be judged by God. Because I say it again, the wages of sin is death. And so let's just pause for a moment and consider our life. This is a holy moment. Jesus, we recognize this wafer as a symbol of your body that was broken for us. You were sinless, yet you came, died on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Father, I pray you help us to search our heart. Are we living right before you? Are we living in a way that's pleasing to you? Help us to judge ourselves according to your word. Yes. You say you, you want clean hands and a pure heart. Hallelujah. And so search us, Lord. So as we break bread together, Lord, we could walk in humility and walk with a truly changed life. So we just break this bread. We thank you, Lord. We for, partake because yes. we want clean hands and a yes. pure heart. Thank you, Father. And this little cup of juice represents the blood of Christ shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And we thank you, Jesus, that when you forgave us, you gave us new life. Yes. You, you made us a new creation. Hallelujah. Lord, and really that's all that matters, what you've done for us in our spirit. And I pray, Father, that as we partake of this, that we would live in a way, again, Lord, that's worthy of the high calling and the love, Lord, that you, you poured out for us yes. in this blood. So we partake of this and drink. We thank you, Jesus.